0: O-U-T-D-O-O-R and the number one. Lastly, many outdoorsmen are trying to quit tobacco altogether and Fully Loaded Chew may be that first step. For more information on our product line, visit FullyLoadedChew.com.
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Ohio Huntsman Podcast. And today we're talking about overrated and underrated products in, in mostly in the hunting space. So, underrated products are, of course, products that are, are maybe simple products, been around for a long time, things like that, that, uh, you know, maybe outperform the amount of marketing dollars or, or the amount of uh, maybe credit they get. Overrated products would be, of course, the opposite of that. Things that maybe have a lot of marketing dollars behind them, but in practice, maybe you know they're not all cracked they're not all they're cracked up to be so that's what we talk about this week before we get into that though I want to talk about our sponsor Mastin's Deer Scents so Mastin's is a scent company they started as a deer scent company and have since expanded into the predator scent business so they have all of your liquid scent needs that you that you could need or want They've got scented gel crystals, they've got their double scent stacker, which allows you to layer scents, so you can put a a scented candle, and not like a potpourri scented candle, but like a deer scented candle, let's say a, a, a doe and estrus candle, down in this thing, and then it heats a tray of liquid scent. So the heated scent makes it more realistic, helps it carry further, and like I said, allows you to layer two scents. So lots of cool stuff check them out go to their website mastinsdeersense.com you can check their pricing what they have to offer and you order it direct from their website and they ship it to you so pretty easy like i said check them out mastinsdeersense.com you won't be disappointed Welcome to the Ohio Huntsman podcast where three brothers, Jason, Jacob and Jeff, discuss all things hunting in Ohio. Our goal is to be your source for accurate and reliable hunting news and conservation issues in the great state of all Ohio, right, so today as well as some fun and interesting conversations along the way. Fun or interesting, this, I guess, to is talk about the Ohio about, Huntsman podcast. Are you hunting listening products that are either overrated or underrated. So this was this was uh jeff kind of came up with this idea initially so jeff if you if you would why don't you kick us off i think we've all you know the i think we're all looking for the underrated products because typically that means they're cheaper you know maybe it's it's, uh something that has more than one use or that kind of thing but jeff if you would what what uh i guess let us know if, if you uh if it's an overrated or underrated product, and then why?
2: Yeah, so I'm going to start with what I think is kind of the, the softball of this topic with an underrated product, and uh, that's the good old rifled slug for deer hunting. Um, there's nothing wrong with a rifled slug, really. I mean, especially for Ohio deer hunting um the typical ohio deer hunter is not taking 100 yard shots you yeah. know they're they're usually 75 yards or under um and i would say probably the great majority of them are within 50 yards and a uh, a rifled slug is perfectly capable at that distance and, yep. you know, they're, they're cheap, they're effective. There's...
1: They're normally easy to come by.
2: <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Uh, if you can find anything, it's slugs. I mean, and I will pull this back a little bit. Um, you know, a rifled 410 slug might be a little underpowered. But, I mean, it's still capable, but it might be a little underpowered for a deer. You got to yeah. watch your shot placement. Um, but, yeah, I I don't see anything wrong with them. They're, they're cheap. They're easy to find. And for most deer hunting apl- applications in, in Ohio, they're perfectly acceptable.
1: Yeah, i I can't remember the specifics of it. I you know didn't know we were going to talk about this specifically today, but I remember watching a video it's been a couple of years ago now, but this guy was and I forget the yardages. I think he shot at 100 and then and maybe stretched it out to 200 on on you know smoothbore shotgun with the the rifled slugs and I you know cuz I've never done that you know group my shotgun at 100 yards or whatever with rifled slugs but i was surprised i mean i'm not talking like you know shots touching each other but i mean it was certainly you know minute of deer accurate at uh you know 100 yards I, i was i was surprised by how well he was doing with it
2: right and when you're shooting a bowling ball you know, it doesn't need to retain a lot of its energy. It's you know Yeah. It's a it's a bowling ball, it's putting a big hole through.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I would uh I'd have to agree that there, there's you know, there's a lot of new flashy stuff out and uh the good old rifled slug has served us well for for a lot of years. Yeah. Yeah. I think maybe in that same vein, hopefully I don't get too much hate mail over this, but, but overrated, I, I'm gonna, and, and let me explain, but I think, I think the 350 legend, like, I think there was a lot of marketing dollars spent on how wonderful this round is. It's a, it's the next greatest thing, you know, and, and, people took that and ran with it and i am by no means saying it is not a capable round i think it's a it's a great round perfectly capable but some of the the things people are are trying to do with it or wanting it to do it's just it's just not it and so I think it's it was while yes, it is a, a, a good round, I think it was a little bit like people took the marketing hook, line, and sinker, believed that this thing you know knocked down power, it's it stops them in its tracks to 200, 250, no problem. and yes a well-placed shot at 200 yards yes but there's there's better tools for the job if that's the job you're trying to do i've seen some people you know on some of the facebook groups you know talking about bear hunting you know what do you think about bear hunting with the 350 legend has anybody shot a bear and there's people posting pictures of of Shooting bears, so don't get me—you know—don't hear me saying you can't kill a bear with it. But I just think it was—I I guess maybe to summarize, I think it was it—it it, it had some outsized marketing for the real-world performance. Maybe is how I would sort of summarize. What do you guys think?
2: Yeah, well, I'm gonna sort of expand on your topic a little bit okay. because I—I I agree with. The 350 Legend, um, you know, the marketing was pretty bold um, and creative. You know, the original marketing. Um, but I'm going to go a little bit further and say, everyone overrates their own straight walled cartridge that they use. You know, like uh, if if you're someone who shoots a 4570. You overrate it. It's, you know, you think it's the best thing ever. Yeah. If you shoot a 450. You think that's, you know, I mean, I, I, the only group of straight walled cartridge hunters that I don't catch, you know, basically making wild claims or I don't know, just overstating their cartridge is the guys who are shooting like, uh, you know 44 magnums or 357 rifles yeah you know th- those guys know what they have and you know basically state that this is what it is you know yeah it's it's plenty enough but you got to watch your shot placement and, right yeah you know those guys just kind of they know what they have
0: well in the 44 mag i would been... go ahead jake I was going to say I'd piggyback a little bit on you Jeff. I would what I was going to say is I think cuz I shoot a 4570, I was going to say the 4570 is overrated as a deer gun. And what I mean by that is it's too much gun for deer. So these guys 450 falls in the same class. Everybody loves them, but it's too much. It's not a deer gun. <laughs> you know what I mean? You blow half your deer away. Um so I think it's overrated on the love for the 450 and the 4570 we'll put them together uh just cuz it's I think it's too much and I use one. I mean yeah. don't get me wrong you're going to knock a deer stone cold I mean pretty much anywhere you hit it unless you shoot it in the butt stone cold dead anywhere out to 100 yards so that's great but you're also going to lose two or your four quarters unless you are really good with your shot placement. <laughs> right you know, it's just, I think it's overrated as a deer gun. Cause it's too much. You know, and yeah. it kind of goes back to what you said, Jason, or, you know, Jeff, I guess started it. Like if it ain't broke, don't fix it. The slugs. I mean, <laughs> you don't have as much, I mean, still you can damage a lot of meat with a slug, but not as much, at least, you know, ancillary meat damage. You know, you're going to get meat damage where you put the hole, but the 4570 you shoot it in the shoulder it's not just where the hole is in the shoulder the entire shoulder from the percussion is just gone
2: yeah i i mean i find myself shooting in the middle of the you know if you basically if you cut the deer in half and then cut that in half again the front half of that again that's where i'm aiming Which is pretty far back on the deer. You know, that's a double lung shot. And that's so that I don't ruin front shoulder meat. Because, I mean, I would say it's a good 10 inches. 10 inches circumference around where you shoot is your, you know, damaging meat. Right. Yeah. And I would wonder how much of that comes
1: from. Say again, Jeff.
2: I just, that's huge. I mean, that's a, a huge area.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I would wonder how much of that it comes from, or, or I guess the reverse of that could be mitigated by bullet design. I mean, a slug's got a lot of energy in it, but when it hits, it just basically flattens out and, you know, tries to dump energy into the deer by just flattening and expanding Whereas when you get into forty-five, seventy, you get into a lot more uh, complex bullet design, right? Hollow points that are that are, you know, pedaling open, and you're getting a lot, a lot more of that um, that initial shock value, that trauma,
2: right? Yeah, because I of mean,
1: that expansion.
2: Yeah, I think you could mitigate some of it with like just a hard cast bullet for sure. Yeah. You know, 4570 hard cast bullets plenty enough to take down a deer and it would mitigate some of that energy transfer.
1: Yeah. I think uh, I mean to bring this sort of full circle, right? Dad when he first got his he was the first one of us to to get a 4570, he first got his 4570 and was originally loading them, you know, I don't know, I don't know if you want to say hot. I don't, I don't know that he was like pushing the limits of the load, but he was loading them on the, the higher end, if you will. And right. The higher end of
0: recommended
1: pretty, pretty quickly realized or decided like that's too much. And he, you know, he worked on his hand loads and, and, Dialed them back. Whereas 350 Legend, you know, you you, you see the guys that are doing hand loads, looking to one of two things, right? They're trying to get more out of the round. They're they're certainly not dialing it back or taming it down. They're trying to get more out of it. And you're starting to see these like real nichey kind of bullet manufacturers. Making, I mean, they, they they look awesome. Some of these solid copper bullets that, you know, the, the uh, you know, they just pedal out and expand. And, uh, I mean, some pretty wildly performing projectiles in 350 Legend. Basically coming from people wanting to get more out of the round, not less. Right. So, just sort of maybe supports the argument that like, yeah, it's good, but it would be nice if I could get a little bit more out of it, you know?
0: Right. And so
1: Jake, what you, you got one?
0: Um, I guess a undervalued. And again, that's, this comes from that. I used one for a while is I think a red dot site on a deer rifle in Ohio, instead of a traditional scope, is undervalued Hmm. because i mean it's at least with the hunting we do where we're doing deer drives um you know all your shots are i would say probably 50 yards or less if you're stretching it it's no more than 75 you know you don't need that sub moa accuracy with a deer gun (laughs) Mm-hmm. again I'm, i guess i wouldn't put that on a 350 legend necessarily where you re- bullet placement is much more important but 45 70s you know sh- shotguns that's what i always had mine on was my 12 gauge um you know and you don't have to get an expensive red dot a two moa red dot no ma- you don't necessarily need the magnification and it's just point and shoot it's good for deer drives and that kind of stuff so i would say that's undervalued i always had good luck with mine you know i still use it for turkey um but yeah i would say on a deer gun you don't typically hear about them or see them as much on deer guns i think that they're more than sufficient with the hunting we do right
2: um, if anything where you have to acquire a target quickly you know that red dot can be nice you know, because uh, an actual scope, sometimes, you know, a little bit of brush can get you lost. You know, yeah. where with a with a red dot, a little less magnification, you know, it's a lot easier to acquire a target. You know, it's better than open sights. You know, it's an easier aim point than open sights, but it's, you know, uh. Gives you a larger field of view and to acquire a target quicker, you know, because I mean, very rarely when we do deer drives, are we shooting it running deer, but we are stopping that deer for a second, you know, half a second and shooting it, you know, and a lot of times you know there there can be some brush you know that you're shooting in or that the deer's in and you know it can you can easily lose a uh, brown deer amongst the brown ground and brown twigs and you know through any sort of real magnified scope Mm
1: mm-hmm. mhm yeah, and to get something equivalent, you know, like that that one X magnification in a scope, you know, ba- basically no magnification in a scope. You're, I mean, you can they sell those, but they are far more expensive. To where you know basically what you see with your your naked eye is what you get looking through the scope. There, I mean, there's a there's a lot more going on there. So I understand, you know, they're they're more expensive, but but yeah. A, if you don't think you need the, you know, because you see a lot of like one to four scopes, right? So one is no magnification all the way up to like a four power or, a, you know, one to six. If you can get away with not needing that that extra magnification, then yeah, Red Dot is it's a nice tool to have. I want to pause here real quick and talk about our sponsor Monster Whitetail Grub. Monster Tail Grub is a deer feed company, and they've got three main products. They've got their signature Monster Whitetail Grub feed. It's a high protein feed. It's more of a coarse feed, so the deer don't eat it as fast as, as, say, straight corn. It's got mineral mixed in, which I know a lot of people like to have mineral out in the springtime, and aside from that, they've also got just straight mineral. You can buy the powdered mineral. and they've got flavored corn so it takes standard corn that, that we all know dear love and and sort of turns it into a long range attractant steps it up a notch so if everybody in your area is running corn this could be a good way to to differentiate that so check them out go to ohiohuntsman.com slash sponsors there's a link there to get in touch with them and uh to figure out how to get some of their stuff. There may be a, a retail location near you that that where you can go and buy it. I know they're getting into more and more retail locations, so check them out. Monster Whitetail Grub, Deer Feed the Ohio Way. I really kind of like after, you know, <laughs> I always like feel like I have to put an asterisk next to my you know any turkey hunting stories, but I really think a red dot on a turkey gun is a is a Nice tool to have in that you don't. A lot of times I find myself getting set up and you know, I'm going to try and call a bird in, and then I, you know, I kind of get to thinking, like, well, yeah, I've kind of got my gun resting here, but if I, you know, if it poked its head over, I've got to get down on the gun. So I've either got to slouch down more, try to bring my knees up more. Like, you know, you've really got to get down on the gun to, to look down the rib in that like seated tucked position. Whereas if you had a red dot, you know, it, it's up higher. You don't have to get as hunched down in there. And I, I, I feel like you could sit there more comfortably waiting for a turkey to show. I, you know, i I also watched a few videos where like, you know, they had good luck with, um, a youth hunter using a red dot instead of trying to, you know, same thing sort of trying to get down on a bead on a shotgun, just put the dot on its head and pull the trigger sort of thing.
0: Yeah. And the other thing is you don't with a red dot is you don't necessarily the way that they're designed. You don't, as long as the, I don't know really word this, as long as the dot, wherever the dot is, is where your bullets going to go. You know, what I mean, you don't have to right. be straight on, straight looking down the gun. If you can see the red dot and put the dot on it, it's that's where you're hitting. Yeah. So again, you don't have to really get your face necessarily down tight against your the butt of your you know of your gun to look down the rail. You can just kind of fudge it, so to speak, as long as you can see through it and see the dot. You yeah. don't have to move your head down as much, so it'd be less movement. Yeah. So yeah, I mean. Uh...
1: All right, Jeff, we're back to you. You got another one?
2: Yeah. So uh, now with uh, an overrated product, I'm going to go with the uh, three and a half inch shells um, for both uh, turkey hunting and waterfowl hunting. Now okay. I don't have as much experience with waterfowl hunting, but. Uh, with turkey hunting um i've never uh, you don't get a whole lot of added performance for your added cost and usually recoil you know uh because i have the, the turkey loads i use i have in both uh three and a half inch and three inch and you get a quarter of an ounce more shot and i think with the three and a half inch you actually lose a few feet per second of muzzle velocity you know not a ton but it's you know like 10 to 15 feet per second and i find that Well, yeah, I have more shot and more shot is, you know, hitting the, the target. It's not hitting the target, you know, in, in the important areas. I just have more shot around the perimeter of my target. So sure. It kind of adds a little bit of, you know, opens my pattern a little bit, like gives me a little bit bigger of a pattern so I don't Mm -hmm. miss I mean when it comes to turkey hunting, like I I want more, you know, more BBs in a closer area is what I want. You know. Yeah. And yeah. uh with waterfowl hunting, I I just don't see you know, a lot of waterfowl rounds you might get an additional fifty feet per second and you know an additional 8th to, you know, maybe at the high end, you know, three-eighths of an ounce of shot, which, I mean, when you're talking a goose load, that's that's not many pellets. Right. I mean, I guess it only takes one pellet to, to kill a bird, you know, if you hit it in the right place. So that extra Few pellets might do it for you, but it's usually a large cost, you know, increase to get the three and a half inch. Right. Yeah. So I just, I think they're overrated. You know, I think a lot of, you know, a lot of guys, it's, you know, you're not a man if you're not shooting a three and a half and a. I... Well, and I mean that's the other thing is a lot of times there's three and a half inch shells that are just three and a half inch shells just to be a three and a half inch shell, like they don't actually have increased performance over a three inch. They're just, you know, (laughs) they're it's basically the same payload, just out of a little bit longer uh, shell. Oh, really? You know, yeah. I, I mean. Or yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely brands out there who have a, a three and a half inch shell. It's you know it's an eighth of an ounce more, and it's like that's nothing. And then they use the same the same powder charge, so it goes a little bit slower. So an mm-hmm. eighth of an ounce more with it, but it goes slower. Right. So. Hmm.
1: Yeah, I can't I can't argue with you there. I don't I don't really have any experience with with three and a half inch shells, so
2: yeah, I'll take and your I mean, word for it. Yeah. Also, just you know, I think my turkey loads are an ounce and a half. That's painful. I mean it really is. <laughs> yeah. Like it shooting an ounce and a half of shot is is painful. Yeah. Like it's it's not enjoyable. And I mean, I'm a big dude. I can absolutely absorb that force. And but, I.
0: It's just it, it's not really worth it. Like I don't. I mean, a, I, what were you saying, the, Jake? I was gonna say there's a big difference between can and want. You can absorb it, but you certainly don't want to.
2: Yeah, yeah. Once I mean if there was an increased performance, I would absolutely continue to shoot three and a half inch. Um, but I just don't, there's not enough. I mean, there, there may be a tiny bit increased performance, but there's just, there's not enough to make it worth it. There's not enough difference to make a difference.
1: Right. Yeah. All right. So, I guess I'll move on to a an underrated product, and, and I don't know, maybe they're not underrated, but I just don't hear a lot of people talk about them. But but I'll say some sort of um like knife sharpening system. What I mean by that is, you know, not not just a stone that you're you're. Um, running your knife across, but like a system that, that clamps the blade in a clamp and then, you know, you've got some sort of a guide rod system that uh, keeps the stone, the sharpening stone on the same angle every time when you're switching from, you know, coarse to finer stones, everything's sharpening on the same angle. I think, you know... <laughs> Everybody wants to, to think they're, you know, a professional butcher and can sharpen a stone or sharpen a knife to a razor edge on a stone or, you know, they're a, they're a Japanese sushi chef and, and can, you know, hone a knife like that just on a, a whetstone or something. But uh, my experience that takes a lot of practice, a lot of time just learning the the art, if you will, of sharpening. I mean, because they're the, when you're doing it by hand like that with no with no guide, it there it really is an art form in my opinion, getting it right and getting it it's super sharp. When you have one of these systems, I mean, anybody can put a razor edge. On a blade, I mean, you can resharpen right. it to the factory edge, whatever angle they ground it on, or you know, like my pocket knife. It it ha- it was a single bevel knife when I got it, and I just I don't even remember why I've had this knife for so long now. For whatever reason, I decided to to sharpen it to a a double bevel. So I you know put put a put the same angle on the other side and they just i don't know i I use mine for my hunting knives i use it for kitchen knives i shoot fixed blade broadheads that aren't like the replaceable blade you know it's like a it's a uh, like a thicker blade that yes they can be replaced but they're not like it's not like a muzzy that you know you've got a, a a thinner blade or whatever where they're replaceable blades are kind of meant to be replaced after you shoot them. You know, I, so I guess what I'm going with that is I use it to sharpen my broadheads. I just, I get a lot of use out of it and can therefore have a much better, more enjoyable experience when it comes to using knives sharp, you know, edge blade products, if you will, because They've got a nice sharp edge on them, and I can repair that edge if when it needs it. Right. So Jake, what do you got?
0: Oh I guess and this is gonna this kind of comes from more of a because I do crossbow hunting versus compound bow hunting, but I, I feel like a, unless you have a really expensive one, I guess, but like a range finder is kind of overrated in the archery, at least for the hunting I do. <laughs> um, you know, like I don't know, at least especially with a crossbow, the difference between 25 yards and 27 yards or 28 yards, it's not enough to really need to know the difference, if that makes sense. All right. So, like, a lot of guys, they're all, you know, oh, you need these top-of-the-line rangefinders. And, you know, I, I, it's just not it doesn't make a difference you know it's i think you'd be better off especially if you're hunting from a stand that you know just distancing what i do is i just distance some trees ahead of time pretty much and then say that tree's 30 so if that deer comes out here i know that's 35 yards or whatever yeah you know and just kind of i don't want to say you know hillbilly range in it but like you know what i mean like just because it doesn't make for the hunting i do with a crossbow especially and with a compound bow maybe it does make a difference but i think if until you get out past probably 50 yards i don't know that it really probably makes a huge difference yeah and there i know there are guys that shoot deer way past 50 yards but for the weekend warrior average archery hunter unless you're practicing you shouldn't be shooting out that far anyhow so it's like one of those things like it doesn't really matter you know if obviously you need to know if it's 10 yards or 30 yards there's a big difference but like I said 27 yards versus 30 yards probably not going to be a big enough difference to make or break if you can shoot where you're aiming every time
1: right so yeah.
0: I can't say it's completely overrated because there is a place for it for certain people but i don't i think it's one of those things where everyone feels like they need one and you don't
1: <laughs> yeah i would certainly say it's a it's a nice to have by no means a need to have you know like i don't i don't have a range finder and it, it certainly wouldn't be a thing that like you get halfway to your stand and you're like shoot forgot my rangefinder, got to go back to the truck like meh don't have it no worries you know
2: All right.
1: Yeah. It seemed it, I guess maybe where I would go with that is if you have a range, you know, you like to do long range rifle shooting or something and, and you need to know those ranges or, you know, you've got some other use for a range finder, you know, maybe, maybe it makes, you know, why not bring it with you? I guess, you know, it's some added weight and something else to forget in the woods, but <laughs> uh, you know yeah certainly if you're a new hunter or something don't think you need to have a rangefinder in order to to hunt
0: right because if you practice as much as you should you can eyeball the difference you know what i mean you know 20 yards versus 30 yards because you're practicing right. at 20 yards and 30 yards. right you know so it's if you're practicing like you should you know what 20 yards 30 yards 40 yards 50 yards looks like
1: yeah yeah all right jeff do you have any more should we? any other ideas on this
2: i mean i got a whole bunch more that would lead to you know would upset a lot of people and lead to a lot more discussion but i mean i think uh this probably, you know, those can be saved for another day. These are kind of, you know, I think what we went over is probably the top things. So, you know, good there's
1: the stuff. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's probably a good, good place to leave it for now. We can uh, get more into the, the arguments and the stuff that'll make people angry into the future. <laughs> you know, if you want to hear them, I'll say them. But, you know.
1: Well, I was I was just going to say, like, one way you can tell, and this is certainly not a blanket statement, but, you know, if it's something that has, like, a lot of marketing dollars behind it and and, you know, a lot of times that means there's a reason they have to put a lot of marketing dollars behind it to convince you to spend your hard-earned money on it when you know what you had or were using before was perfectly adequate right so you know yeah maybe keep that in mind
0: yeah like when you just said that and maybe this is one of the things on your list jeff but just popped in my mind is those when you said a lot of marketing dollars and spending your hard-earned money is um one of those ozonics or similar ozone Mm. things that pops in my mind again if you have one at your disposal, use it. But there's a lot of people that killed a lot of deer before Ozonics came. (laughs) Right. Yeah. But all right,
1: well, I guess, uh, we'll leave it up to the listener. How about that? We'll leave a little cliffhanger. If, if you, uh, the listener out there want to hear the rest of Jeff's list, send us a message, uh, let us know or let us know if there's something that that you think you know you've seen and have used that is either greatly overrated or you know something you want to let people know like hey these things are underrated people you know more people should be using yeah. these things.
2: Yeah so. I feel like we're going to get people to say the same product as you know over and underrated. You oh, know that'd I mean? be like, interesting. I, Because, well, I just know on the Internet, there's, uh, you know, a couple of products out there that everybody argues over. Yeah. You know, so maybe I guess maybe when we get those, we'll have we'll we'll compile them and then we'll argue them out.
1: Yeah. So I guess I'll add to that then. Um, Include your reasoning. Why you think it's make sure to include your reasoning. Why you think it's underrated, or why you think it's overrated? That way, we know you know where you're coming from on that. So that'll be interesting, though, if we get you know some people to, to 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 write in with some ideas. So, all right. So this was a fun one. It's uh, you know good. We all like to talk uh, talk shop, if you will. You know, it's it's uh, seems like a never ending debate or conversation with with probably a lot of sports but it just seems like it, it happens a lot in hunting as far as you know what you see online a lot you know what do you recommend and what should I be using and then the debate rages on oh those are great oh it's crap oh it's you know <laughs> so all right well thanks everybody for listening and like I said let us know uh, what you guys think.